You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com I'm back. Yes, I am back. I'm back, everybody. It is James Corbett here at Corbett Report Radio on Republic Broadcasting, and we are live. This is Monday, the 26th of November, 2012. To all of you stateside listening to me live right now, it is the 27th here in Japan. And I am back at the helm of CorbettReport.com, and as anyone who's been keeping an eye on the website over the past 24 hours will know, I am back posting material to the site. So it is good to be back, and good to be back in touch with all of you. So once again, thank you all for bearing with me during my absence last week, as I uh, was in Kuala Lumpur attending the International Conference on 9-11, 9-11 Revisited Seeking the Truth, as well as some other activities, which, again, all of that will be spilling forth from CorbettReport.com, like a veritable tide, an ocean of of truth and verity coming forth very soon in the uh, digital hallows there. So I hope you'll be staying tuned to that at CorbettReport.com as I work behind the scenes to get all of this video up in some recognizable and usable form for all of you out there. So far, I have only gotten two of the videos posted, and that was the opening speech of the 9-11 conference by Dr. Mahathir Mohammed, and the opening presentation by Cynthia McKinney. But for those of you who don't know, I guess... Long story short, I'm talking about a conference that I attended in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia last week called 9-11 Revisited, Seeking the Truth. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this conference and what it comes from, who it was sponsored by, what it hopes to accomplish, where it goes from here, etc. today. And specifically, I want to talk about something that really was reaffirmed for me at this conference and something that I, I think I... I've always known, but I think I rediscovered, and that's part of the beauty of going to these types of conferences and interacting with real human beings in real life, as opposed to this digital ether by which I am transported to you all each and every day. It's uh, very easy to abstract away the actual connections with other human beings and to lose sight of what it is that we're doing here, but this conference has renewed within me the determination to continue doing what I'm doing, to redouble my efforts, and also I think it's given me a better sense of exactly what my place in all of this is. Because if there is one thing that I'm attempting to do here, it is to bring to you a message that I'm not seeing reflected a lot in the alternative media, or at least not nearly as much as I would like to see it put out there. And that is that each and every one of you out there in the audience is powerful. You have power in your own hands, and you have the option, the choice, really, each and every day, whether or not you wished to use that power. What is the nature of that power, and how do you use it? Well, we're going to get into that later today on this broadcast, as well as talking about the ways that the controlled uh, corporate media, etc., constantly is working to try to convince you that you have no power, that you're powerless, that you're just a spectator in all of this, and that you have to sit on the sidelines twiddling your thumbs and hoping that someone will come forward with a solution. Well, I have a newsflash for you. You are the solution, and if there's any message that I have that's of any importance, that is it. So we're going to be talking about those types of issues today, also talking about the conference itself, 
And uh, hopefully, maybe if there's time, getting into a little bit more information about some of the other uh, aspects of what was going on last week with the Kuala Lumpur Foundation to Criminalize War hosting its own commission hearing on Palestine and the war crimes, uh, the alleged war crimes at this point that have been committed by the Israeli government in Palestine. Just a lot of very important things happening there in Kuala Lumpur. And one of the, uh, I think the... The, the most bizarre parts of it for me is the, the disconnect between the, the types of things that are going on there with that war crimes tribunal and the conferences they're holding, etc., and the almost total lack of, uh, of any coverage of it whatsoever, even in the alternative media. So let's, uh, let's correct that today. Let's start getting this a bit on the record and talking a bit about what went on there in Kuala Lumpur last week. Once again, James Corbett here, back at the helm, CorbettReport.com. You are tuned into Corbett Report Radio on Republic Broadcasting, and we'll be back right after these messages. Alright friends, welcome back to the broadcast. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio once again. I am your host James Corbett of CorbettReport.com and tonight we're going over the 9-11 Revisited Seeking the Truth conference that I was recently presenting at, at in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And I want to talk a little bit more about this conference, what it was about, who was there, what we were talking about, and where it's going from here. And I suppose I have to start from scratch, really, because if you're anything like myself, you probably know very little at all about the organization that was putting this on or the work that it's done in the past. And that's much to the detriment of us all, I think, because this is truly a very interesting organization that has put on this event, and they did a stellar job of doing so. It was held at the Putra World Trade Center there in Kuala Lumpur, ironically enough, at the World Trade Center. And of course, Kuala Lumpur has its own Twin Towers, for those of you who don't know, so a lot of interesting synchronicities like that regarding this conference. But long story short, this was organized and put on by something called the Perdana Global Peace Foundation, and they're available at perdanaforpeace.org. That's the number for perdanaforpeace.org. And I suggest you go and check them out if you haven't done so yet to find out a little bit more about them and uh, the types of works that they do and who they are and where they're from, etc. But uh, but I suppose the, the basic uh, information that you might want to know about them is who is the founder, the president of this organization. And for those of you watching at home, I'll, I'll put up a little uh, picture of... None other than Dr. Mahathir Mohamed, who was uh, the former prime minister of Malaysia. And I was recently on a, another radio show doing an interview about this, and I likened him to Dr. Paul, Dr. Ron Paul. I suppose it's a, it's a flawed analogy in many ways. But at the very least, uh, doc, just like Dr. Paul, Dr. Mohamed is, uh, in fact, actually, truly a real medical doctor, trained as a medical doctor, and was always interested in politics and, be, and actually started to, to get politically involved and active in his uh, late 30s, and he was eventually elected to parliament there in Malaysia, and through a circuitous route ended up in the Senate, and then ended up as deputy prime minister, and finally prime minister of Malaysia. And he was the prime minister of Malaysia for 22 years, from 1981 to 2003, which not coincidentally happens to correspond with a dramatic, incredible shift in the economy of Malaysia. For those of you who don't know, like myself, again, I've been in a crash course on Malaysia and Malaysian politics over the last week. But uh, Malaysia was 
for all intents and purposes, something of a, a tin mining outpost of the British Empire for a very long time, and was not exactly known for its thrust, uh, bustling and, and hustling economy. But under um, Dr. Mahathir Mohammed's leadership, it did actually start to become something of an economic, uh, well, a model for a lot of Asian countries to follow. During the 1990s specifically, it was growing until the 1997-98 Asian financial crisis. The Malaysian economy was growing at 9% of GDP growth per year, which is a pretty pretty respectable figure and is only really topped by... uh, Uh, giant economic powerhouses like China over the past 10 years, 20 years. So so it has been doing remarkably well. And uh, uh, that was absolutely undeniably due to Dr. Mahathir Mohammed's influence. And he was able to uh, to keep the IMF at bay and to, to basically uh, keep them out, even as Malaysia survived the, the Asian economic crisis, etc. So very, very interesting person who has a very long history. And if you go into his history on Wikipedia or any of the other official sources, you'll find all sorts of things about what a terrible person he is and how people, good, upright, respectable, moral people like Al Gore etc. wouldn't want to meet with him when they were on official state visits to Malaysia, etc. So uh, so take that for what it's worth. And certainly Dr. Mahathir does have his critics, and I, I am not obviously involved in Malaysian politics, so I won't get into the domestic issues. But uh, but at any rate, he certainly did oversee the dramatic turnaround of the, the uh, Malaysian economy, and he has also founded two really remarkable organizations. One of them, this Perdana Global Peace Foundation, which I mentioned put on this 9-11 conference in particular. The other one called the Kuala Lumpur Foundation to Criminalize War, and that's at criminalizewar.org. And depending whether you're Canadian, British, American, Kiwi, or various other, you might spell criminalize with a Z or, or, or Z, even if you're American, or an S. And uh, you'd want to go with the S spelling. That's criminalize war, criminalize with an S, war.org. And you can find out about this organization, which has been putting on some pretty remarkable war crimes tribunals for the past seven years now, since I believe 2005 was when it was founded, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, this is, Kuala Lumpur has really been a nexus where people have been traveling to uh, to do all sorts of very interesting things, including holding tribunals where, for example, earlier this year, as some people may or may not know, the Kuala Lumpur War Crimes Tribunal found uh, Bush, Cheney, and various others, John Yu and some of the others in the Bush administration, guilty of war crimes in Iraq for the torture that took place at Abu Ghraib and other institutions there under their leadership. So a pretty remarkable thing. And uh, and again, to give, give people a sense of this, this was a real judicial proceeding with, uh, with real lawyers arguing in a real courtroom, and there was prosecution and defense and witnesses and evidence, and all of that was presented. And they did come with a prosecution and did convict Bush at all of their war crimes. And, of course, it's um, something like this, one can argue, is only as effective as its ability to enforce what it ends up saying. So, for example, in this case, obviously, Bush, Cheney, et al. have not been put in uh, prison or put in shackles quite yet, and it's obviously uh, quite a step to go from merely convicting them in absentia to actually doing something about it. But at any rate, it is a remarkable first step, and it is uh, being done through the auspices of this organization that was literally created by the former Prime Minister of Malaysia. That's that's some that's a pretty hefty uh, hefty position to be. Uh, 
I guess, wielding this this type of influence. And it is extremely, extremely hardening to see someone who seems, from what I can tell at any rate, from, from what I've seen of this organization and Dr. Mahathir himself, who I had the chance to interview, who seems genuinely dedicated to the idea of criminalizing war. And that's a concept which, I must admit, the first several times I heard about that, that, that phrase, criminalize war, I don't think it really sank in what that means or the extremity of what that really implies. And basically, of course, what we're talking about is the idea that war itself is a crime. Not that there are war crimes, that there are special rules that you have to follow, and if you break those rules, you're a war criminal. But that war itself, the use of violence and force to inflict your will on others across international boundaries, or really anywhere, is itself a crime. And that all the murders and deaths that result from that are the responsibility of the people who take their nations to war. That is a very bold thing for someone who was an ex-head of state to be saying and to be really following through with an organization like this. So once again, I hope people will check into this. And of course, I'll put the links in the show notes for tonight's episode at CorbettReport.com. So you can go and find out more about Perdana uh, Global Peace Foundation and uh, the Kuala Lumpur Foundation to Criminalize War and the work that they've been doing over the past several years and hopefully will continue to do from here. Although uh, Dr. Mahathir himself, I believe, is something like 87 years old now and is still remarkably uh, fit and still able to go, uh, obviously. But but it's always a question, of course, for how long and what uh, how the foundations will survive his uh, his passing when and if that should happen. But still, just a remarkable organization. And this particular conference they were putting on, I must admit, I was quite impressed with the way they did this and the the the, the ability that. Uh, that was brought to bear, not only in organizing the conference, but also in the fact that there was, after all, a live stream of all of this on Ustream, and I didn't even know about it, so I'm sorry to all of you out there who were asking me about this, the possibility of uh, watching this via live stream, etc. Apparently that was all set up and ready to go, and in fact, done remarkably well with multiple camera angles and live editing and all of that, but I didn't even know this the Ustream uh, channel existed until just after I got back from the conference. So that is still up on the Perdana Ustream channel. You can watch it retrospectively. And I am in the process, as I say right now, of putting those videos up on my own YouTube channel. So right now, I have Dr. Mahathir Muhammad's opening speech to the conference, uh, the opening presentation. And I also have the first presentation of the day that was given by Cynthia McKinney. And she was talking about the Zionist uh, lobby and uh, how they tried to recruit her basically the second she got her foot in Congress and basically... Basically, all of those, how all of those ties led to 9-11 and what happened after 9-11. Very interesting speech indeed. And then following McKinney, it was uh, myself presenting on the topic, what happened at the Pentagon on 9-11. Then Richard Gage was presenting his evidence about the collapses of the buildings. And then uh, there was an, uh, an afternoon panel, and then there was another afternoon panel, and then there was a final panel to wrap things up. And some of the other speakers, I'll just go through some of them very quickly here. There was, of course, Professor Michelle Chasadovsky, who I'm sure many of you know from globalresearch.ca. There was Professor Gray McQueen, who I'm sure many of you know from the 9-11 Truth Movement. He's uh, been involved, for example, in the 9-11 Toronto hearings, etc., uh, there was uh, people who might not be as well-known, but probably should be, um, people like uh, Giulietto uh, Chiesa, who was the former 
European member of parliament, also a former Italian politician, a journalist, the man behind the documentary film Zero, which has been shown on Russian national television and has been shown in the uh, European parliament, etc., documenting about 9-11 truth. Uh, just an incredible person there. Um, to, uh, other people like Hans Kochler at, from the University of Innsbruck, but also a mover in international circles. Uh, Dr. Chandra Muzavar, uh, Professor uh, Nilafur Bhagwat from the University of Mumbai. Uh, just an incredible lineup of people speaking about this issue of 9-11. And it was an incredible honor to be presenting there among them. And it was really there at the conference uh, in the panel at the end of the day discussing where we go from here once we've had this conference talking about some of the issues about 9-11. Where do we go from here? It was during that panel that I think I really started to crystallize what it is that I bring to the table, why I was there at the table, and what message it is. And I'll give you all a hint. It's not anything to do with me personally. It's all to do with you out there. Every single one of you plays a part in all of this. So I'll explain a little bit more about that right after these messages. All right, friends, welcome back. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Once again, we are live tonight on this Monday night edition as I'm back from Kuala Lumpur, and we are talking about 9-11 truth going worldwide in places like Kuala Lumpur, where people are coming together to not only talk about what's uh, happened, but talk about what's going to happen next. And just to give you an idea of what may or may not be uh, materializing out of this uh, conference that was held Basically, the Perdana Global Peace Foundation and the Kuala Lumpur Foundation to Criminalize War tend to work together, and the Perdana Foundation was hosting this conference, but in the future... It seems that uh, Perdana may or may not be hosting, uh, setting up an international commission of inquiry to take this to the next step, which would be to hold a commission of inquiry to find out, uh, basically to, to set the legal framework for what could turn into a war crimes tribunal through the Kuala Lumpur uh, war crimes tribunal process, or it could be referred to an international body. There could be other things that result from this, and that's still what we're sort of working on and trying to figure out what the next step is but I think it is not going to end here with this one conference. We're not just uh, talking about this, we're talking about what comes next. So that is definitely good, that is inspiring, and it is only frustrating that, unfortunately, so far there has been remarkably little coverage of this Perdana Foundation in general, and of course this 9-11 conference in particular, and what is actually happening there in Kuala Lumpur, because if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it really fall at all? And if someone is convicted of war crimes in Kuala Lumpur and no one is there to report on it, does it really happen at all? It is absolutely essential that people find out about this. And of course, as I'm sure all of you are well aware, this is not going to happen through any sort of mainstream media channels. And just as an example of that, I brought along tonight, for those of you out there in Radioland who can hear it, I'll be showing this on the video that will be posted to CorbettReport.com. This is an issue of the Straits Times from November 20th of 2012, the day after the conference. This is a uh, basically one of the Malaysia's national newspapers. And here on uh, page 13 of the paper, they actually did cover the conference. So 
page 13, 9-11, not work of terrorists. And that's a uh, quote of sorts from Dr. Mahathir Mohammed, who opened the conference and, of course, the president of the Pradana Foundation that put on the conference. And uh, I suppose this is a good thing in some ways. It's a, a pretty mainstream news national newspaper that's covering this this 9-11 truth topic and is treating it in a pretty fair fair manner, I would say. But uh, But to me, this is actually not... It's not even something that really registered with me as something important, except for what it shows about the way the mainstream media will cover this, even if they cover it at all. And of course, even this type of coverage would never happen in a U.S. newspaper, in mainstream newspaper. It would only happen in a, a paper of a foreign country where the political stakes, shall we say, are not that high. But even looking at this article, I know a lot of people would get excited about the prospect, ooh, of getting in the newspaper, and ooh, suddenly I'm a human being because I'm on TV, or something along those lines. We're still indoctrinated in that dinosaur media paradigm where we have to look to them for our approval, for our existence, basically. And uh, and unfortunately, people are stuck in that mindset. And I say unfortunately because, again, even if the mainstream media is trying to be fair to to this argument, which I think ultimately this this article written by V. Schumann certainly is. It is fair. It's not a, a sneaky, underhanded attack on 9-11 truth that doesn't try to portray people as crazy or anything of the sort. In fact, it's a rather positive review of, of what happened at the 9-11 conference, except for the fact that it gets almost everything completely wrong. And as an example of that, they go, uh, uh, they talk about my presentation at some length in this article, talking about uh, Corbett uh, presenting about the, the attacks on the Pentagon. It says, also in the panel was journalist and film producer James Corbett, who pointed out there were many discrepancies between eyewitness accounts of the tragedy and the 9-11 Commission report. Corbett alleged that Donald Rumsfeld, who was the then U.S. Secretary of Defense, also had prior knowledge of the attacks, including the crashing of American Airlines Flight 77 into the Pentagon. While President Bush was away in Florida when the attack unfolded, Rumsfeld was second in command and could have scrambled an action plan to prevent further calamity. However, there is enough evidence to show how he knew of the impending attacks but did nothing to stop them, said Corbett. He played brief clips of interviews with the then U.S. Secretary of Transport Norman Mineta, who disputed Rumsfeld's timeline of the latter's presence in the Pentagon building. And it goes on from there, basically talking about the issues that I was addressing in my speech at the uh, the conference, which you'll find out when I post my speech later on today, uh, tomorrow, I suppose, for you stateside. Um, but the problem is that all of the details there are completely incorrect. So uh, I was not talking about Rumsfeld in the emergency shelter with the Norman Mineta. It was, of course, Dick Cheney. Uh, they make up a quote from me, which I did not, certainly did not say in my speech, and I don't remember saying at any other point, so I'm not sure if they just plucked that out of thin air. It's not necessarily wrong. I think I actually agree with what they quoted me as saying, but uh, I don't remember saying that. So that's a, that's a sm- small minor detail, I suppose. Once again, it goes to show that when the mainstream media, even if they try to cover something properly, it is people who are working on deadlines, assigned stories by their assignment editors, and basically uh, just churning it out like just so much more product to be consumed and they'll inevitably start making mistakes and getting things wrong this is one of the reasons why we have to stop treating the dinosaur media as if it means anything i could care less if i'm in a paper if they get all the facts about what i said wrong so what is the answer to all this and where do we really go from here and how do you play a part in all of this 
Well, let's take a short break, and we'll get into that right after these messages. Friends, welcome back. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Tonight, once again, we are talking about 9-11 Truth going worldwide and being well represented there in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, bringing people from all around the world to talk about 9-11 Truth and to talk about where it goes from here. And I guess the big question is, well, where does it go from here? What next? What does all this talking about something that we we all know to one extent or another uh to uh, to we all know that it, this is something that uh, that has been well established by now 11 years later and still people are talking about this well what action will result i understand that question very well and it's one that comes up quite a lot in fact it even came up while we were presenting on this very topic so at the end of the 911 conference we had a panel discussion on what next, where do we go from here, how do we how do we proceed from here? Do we establish some sort of commission of inquiry? If so, what where what does that feed into? Will that inform a uh, prosecution? If so, what kind of prosecution? Will it be a domestic prosecution within the United States? Will it be an international prosecution in Kuala Lumpur or the International Criminal Court or somewhere else? And I think the answer to that is ultimately yes to everything. We're going to try a lot of different ways to actually get this to go somewhere. But of course, the question continues to come up. Well, what are you doing? You're just talking about it. And where do, where does it go from here? So as an example of that type of question, I have a clip from the panel discussion, which again is up on the Perdana uh, Ustream channel. I will be putting it up on my YouTube channel in the coming days. So I hope you'll check it out. But let's just go to a clip from that uh, panel discussion where one of the questioners asks this very question. Um, hi, Testing. I've got a question for everyone here. Yeah, I'm actually a student from Brookfields. And I want to know, it's all fine and dandy for Ms. McKinney that, look, a bill has passed in Congress and therefore we're going to follow it. But here, here you are, and we've been here since 9 o'clock and you've been speaking about how 9-11 and the reason why we're here in the first place to learn about the fallacies and the inconsistencies, the bill, those things, they weren't passed in Congress. These were things beyond what we could see, beyond what we want our government to achieve. These are things which are hidden in secret, right? Secret, the CIA. How are we supposed to exactly go up and say, look, we want transparency, we want transparency in the CIA, we want transparency in the American intelligence. That's one thing. On another note, we're looking at the highest, one of the biggest powers, if not the largest, biggest nation right now, USA, right? And we want to persecute the USA for crimes as, as such. However, how are we supposed to do that when it is right now the leading biggest power? What, what are we going to do? Are we going to bring it to the ICC? Fine, it's fine to set up a commission, but what if the commission fails? Where are we going to persecute? Who are we going to persecute? And under whose judgment? And if such fails, the question is, what then? Now, I... I get this question. Really, I do. I understand where this questioner is coming from. I sympathize with his point of view to a large extent, but I have to beg to differ with the way that I think this question and questions like it are framed. 
And it's generally framed in a way that, for example, you'll hear the questioner start out that question by saying, well, we, you've been talking since 9 a.m. and here we are, and etc. As if, as if 9-11 was not only going to be uh, completely demonstrated, proven uh, as a falsehood, and persecuted and, and people brought to justice within the course of the day, but that that was even within the realm of possibility. But, but I think a lot of these questions come from that perspective of people sitting there in an audience listening to people presenting or talking about this and wondering, well, that's all fine and dandy, but what are we going to do about this? And what are you, what are you going to do? Where is it going to go from here? What if you fail? What, how, what do you have set up uh, to, to try to follow through with this? Again, those are valid questions. They're valid points to raise, but I think they come from a fundamental position of weakness. It's almost like saying we are helpless people who are just down here at the bottom trying to ask, you know, people to do something about it. And you're the guys up on the stage. What are you going to do about it? Well, it's fair enough. If people are putting themselves up on a stage on a podium talking down to an audience, you, they might, uh, there is at the very least the projection of some sort of authority that they, they're the ones in charge and they're the ones who are going to handle everything. But that is not the situation at all. And I don't want people to get into that mindset because you out there are every bit as much as important as the people on the stage who are talking and giving the presentations, etc. And Everyone has a part to play in this. Everyone is part of the links in this chain, which is the chain which hopefully we will be able to wrap around the ankles of the real 9-11 perpetrators when we actually bring them to justice. And everyone is important in that chain. And this is a point that I tried to make in my speech at that panel, uh, in that panel discussion, where I tried to stress what it is that I bring to the table in this discussion and, and the message that I truly want people to take away from this. So let's listen to that clip. Thank you very much. Uh, as the youngest member of this panel by several decades, I uh, feel woefully unqualified to be speaking here today. But if there is any subject on which I am qualified to speak, it would be as a representative of the global alternative media movement, of which I am one small but not insignificant, I hope, a member. And it occurs to me that very much in, in accord with what uh, Professor McQueen and Professor Chosodowski were saying, it is very important that we understand what type of inquiry or whatever comes out of this we want to set up and who our intended audience is. Because exactly as they've laid out here, I don't think there will be any possibility of setting, setting up any kind of inquiry that would be acceptable to the New York Times or whatever other papers of record might currently exist in the media paradigm. But perhaps this is the most optimistic and empowering message that we've heard so far today. I think we can take an example, for example, a biblical allegory of David versus Goliath. Everyone in this room, not just the people on the podium, but everyone in this room is the David against the Goliath of the mainstream media. But in that story, we can overcome it, even with inferior resources. And I point as one tiny example of this. I see one, two, three, four, five, at least five cameras hungrily trained on us right now, recording every word that we're saying. But as far as I know, this video has not ever been in, in the history of this conference or tribunal or what happens in Kuala Lumpur made available to the public, and I don't know if it ever will be. 
But I myself have a little handheld camera, which uh, probably in and of itself is uh, one-tenth as expensive as any one of these cameras, which I'm going to take back with me to Japan. I'm going to post the video that I managed to capture of today's conference before my batteries ran out on my website or on my YouTube channel. And in a matter of hours, it is going to garner thousands of views and hopefully over the lifetime of the video, tens of thousands or perhaps even hundreds of thousands of views. So to put that into perspective, within a matter of hours, probably a hundred times more people will have watched it than have actually attended this conference. Now, this is the power of the alternative global media landscape that we are in. And I posit that it might be something that a lot of people tend to leave out of the equation of the age in which we are living, that literally what you hold in your hand, sorry, what you hold in your hand might be the tool with which we delegitimize the system that has been oppressing us. Every single person in this room who has access to a an iPhone slave device or whatever your uh, medium of choice is to tweet or Facebook or post or, or however so you connect to social media can help to spread the message of what we're talking about today and to help potentially unlock tens, hundreds, thousands, or even millions of minds. And I say this from the perspective of someone who spent September 11th, 2011, the 10th anniversary of 9-11, in my pajamas in my living room, making a video which has now been seen by 1.6 million people talking about the truth of 9-11. So I'm not saying this as just something to, to rally the crowd. I'm saying this quite literally. Every single one of us in the room has the power to change the world. And if we simply start to use that power and stop giving into the system, we can and we will make a difference. Thank you. James is absolutely right, but I have to apologize to you because I'm really running low on fuel at about 36 hours with very little sleep. Um, would that video, James, be the five-minute? If you have not seen James Corbett's five-minute 911 truth video, please look it up tonight. Don't let one minute pass without you seeing that video because it captures the absurdity of the official story and it, it, he's so clever in the way that he does it. Well, I'm blushing from ear to ear, of course, from uh, Cynthia McKinney's ringing endorsement, but uh, but I am absolutely humbled to to have that type of endorsement. But it is, uh, again, this is not done as self-aggrandizement. Again, it's the exact opposite. I literally created that video in my pajamas on the morning of September 11th, 2011, not expecting it to have anything near the effect that it did. But for whatever reason, the, 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 the gods of viral videos look down favorably upon that particular video. And so far, I stand corrected, it's now been seen 1.7 million times just from that one instance on YouTube alone. And I know it's been posted other places that have gotten tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of hits. So again, that video has been seen online so many times. And it is, I think, a perfect example of what is the promise of the global alternative media movement, which is truly people who 
have no formal training in any of this. I haven't ever taken a, a, even so much as a journalism class, I haven't taken any video editing instruction or anything of the sort. But I am with the very limited resources that I have, basically just a Mac computer here and some, some basic editing software, was able to create this message, which at the very least has gotten a lot of people I know to at least look at this issue and at least consider some of the issues raised in that uh, video. And uh, it's not to be Pollyanna-ish about this. Of course, one video like that is not going to change the world and it is not going to necessarily change minds. But at the very least, it adds something to the dynamic. It adds something in there in the mix that people might not have heard about in any other way, shape or form because they're not the type of people who genuinely watch long 9-11 truth documentaries, etc., or who get turned off by that message. But for whatever reason, that type of video resonates with them and they can see it and it can go viral and it can be seen millions of times and hopefully add something to the mix. And this is the power of the alternative media because, again, it's every single one of us. It is not the people on the podium delivering the lectures. It's not academics sitting there working on papers that are really going to be the final solution, the the ultimate linchpin in all of this. It's going to be every single one of us taking up that power and the responsibility that comes with this alternative media technology that we have available to us. Basically, if you're listening to me right now, you probably have enough technology to be able to do something to help spread this word to others. And it doesn't necessarily, again, it does not mean you have to start a website or host your own radio show or do podcasting or even do videos or anything of the sort. But at the very least, taking some of this information, taking the DVDs, or CDs of this information, giving it to others, emailing people on your email list about this type of information, retweeting or posting things to your Facebook, whatever it is, however it is that you communicate with other people, even if it's just face-to-face conversation, you can start to insert this information into your conversations and to change the social dynamic that is woven around us. And I think people still don't appreciate just how crucial that is to our understanding of the world and to our experience of that world. We are woven into a social fabric and because of all the media programming we've had from the controlled corporate media for all these decades and depending how old you are, maybe half a century or more of this total programming that uh, that people have been under to teach them that they're nothing, they're insignificant, unless you're a, a talking head in the mainstream media or some respected politician or something, then, then your opinion is worth nothing, no one cares about your information, you're helpless, and all you can do is spectate. All you can do, do is read the newspaper or, or listen to the, to the corporate radio or, or watch the television and, and just in, consume this information passively. But the power of the alternative media is that finally it is truly within our hands, within our grasp, the power to take this technology and turn it around against the system that is propagandizing to us. And for each and every one of us to become not just a passive recipient, but to become an active transmitter of this information, broadcasting, rebroadcasting, and redoubling this message so that the choir keeps not only growing and growing, but growing exponentially and growing in power even as it continues to grow in numbers. This is a truly revolutionary moment because, again, people out there in the audience who feel frustrated by the fact that nothing happens 
happens because of these endless 9-11 conferences and talks, etc., can become part of the solution themselves. We don't have to look at the people on the stage and say, what are you doing to change the world? You can look in the mirror and say, what am I doing to change the world? And if you are listening to my voice right now, I am speaking to you directly, you personally. I want you to ask yourself what you have done to spread this information and what more you can do to spread it. It is not for us to ask what these people have done for us. It's to ask what we can do to help bring this message to others because it is the information that will unlock the minds that at the very, very least, the very least we can ask for is that this type of event will not be able to be perpetrated in the future, because if they try it, they will not get away with it. We will understand what is happening. We will not accept the explanations that they try to put out in the immediate wake of the events like we did back in September 2001, because this type of alternative media and this access to information wasn't there. Once again, it is through our knowledge of history and our understanding that has come about largely because of this incredible technology that we have at our fingertips that we are at the place that we are in terms of our understanding. And we should not take that for granted. We should not take it lightly. And we should not dismiss this as, oh, well, you know, Bush and Cheney aren't in chains yet. So I guess everything's a total waste of time and you're wasting my time. If you think that, well, that's fine. That's your opinion. Please go off into your c- corner and continue doing nothing, contributing nothing, changing nothing. But if you want to help change the world, all I can say is come on board. And it doesn't mean you have to agree with me and what I say and what I believe and what I want to tell to others. It means that you bring yourself, your own perspective, your own information, you bring that to the table and you insert yourself into this conversation, whether that be in face-to-face conversations, through tweets or Facebook or emails or Whatever it is that you use to communicate with others, you can start to become a part of the solution rather than just another person complaining about the problem. On that note, let's take one final break. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. All right, friends, welcome back. Once again, we are here on Corbett Report Radio. This has been the Monday Night Live edition, and we will be live all this week talking about various subjects. So again, I hope you will continue to stay tuned into Corbett Report Radio and, of course, CorbettReport.com where I am going to continue getting out this information a uh, little by little, but it will be coming out all this week and perhaps even this ne- next week as well. There's so much information that I managed to record at this conference, not only the 9-11 conference, but also, of course, the commission hearing on Palestine by the Kuala Lumpur Foundation to Criminalize War, criminalizewar.org, which was featuring testimony from Palestinians, uh, people in the West Bank and Gaza, about the incredible experiences, the really harrowing ordeals that they've been through. Absolutely some just incredibly gut-wrenching testimony of people who have been imprisoned and uh, and tortured and shot at and had their entire families slaughtered in front of their eyes, etc. Just some truly truly harrowing presentations and witnesses that were that were testifying at that commission hearing and i have some some video of the commission hearing itself i have some interviews with some of the the witnesses i have uh, some 
presentations and reports to make about a Gaza emergency fund that was set up in Malaysia while I was there. Also, a new uh, idea, which I am 100% behind, which is a, uh, a an idea to set up clubs, uh, basically like school clubs, for criminalizing war towards that aim. We have clubs for chess and, and uh, sports and debating and all of that, but why don't we have uh, uh, clubs that are designed to actually get children thinking about how they can get involved in criminalizing war? Why not? I think that's a great idea, so I'll have a report on that and, uh, and some of the, uh, the ideas that have been raised around that. Lots and lots of information, as I say. Also, interviews with uh, people like Professor Green McQueen. Also, an interview with uh, the Prime Minister, Dr. Mahathir Mohamed, uh, that will be coming out probably in a variety of different reports. So, an incredible amount of information. But once again, at the end of the day, I think that today's message is simply that we should all, each and every one of us, be taking this incredible power that we have in the alternative media technologies that we have at our fingertips and be and be really contemplating the responsibility that comes with that power. The responsibility not to just sit there pointing fingers at others and waiting for someone else to step in and talk about uh, this or that, but for you to get out there and start spreading that information yourself. That is the key, and every single one of us can do it, and when we do, we will be able to move mountains in ways that I think we can't even begin to dream of yet, and that is the real nightmare of the globalists. They want everything except for you to be an active, engaged participant in this world, because once you realize the power that you wield within your own hands, I think their illusions will come crumbling to the ground, their carefully woven tapestry of lies that they've spent decades and and who knows how many billions or trillions of dollars trying to sell you, that you're helpless and weak and pathetic, well those lies will come absolutely tumbling down to the ground and you will realize the power that's in your hands. So it's a heady message of empowerment today and I hope that uh, at least one person in the audience will take it to heart and will take up this message and spread the word to others because that is how we make progress. And on that note we're going to progress into tomorrow. So on that note we're going to wrap things up for today. Thank you once again for joining me. Great to be back here at the helm of Corbett Report Radio and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again 23 hours from now. So until then, thank you for listening and take care.